I think about it in terms of magnetism. We live in polarities, right? And this is me going to get a little esoteric, but like we live in a polarity planet, you know, we're always being pushed and pulled towards and away from things. And branding's no different. I'm not saying you need to have a brand that's controversial or a brand that is really polarizing for people, but there needs to be something in there. You need to have a reason for people to not like you too. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to episode 264 of the Anthropology Podcast. I am your host, Megan Walker, and today we're just doing something really fun. And I had to think about how we were going to do this because, well, I'll just come out with it. We're talking about branding. And branding is like every woman's favorite thing to do when it comes to starting their business. They're like, let's talk about the colors and the logo and how it comes together. And like, you know, what the waiting room looks like, what the sign up front looks like, what the whatever, whatever. We get caught up in the branding and the branding, it is honestly super fun, but I'm not sure we actually fully understand the extent to which a brand speaks on behalf of our companies and our businesses. We get focus on the colors and on the fonts, but we don't realize that it is so much more three-dimensional than that. And in fact, not knowing what we don't know means that many of us are actually going about our brand the wrong way. And when it comes to branding, there's a few people who I just love to go to. And today we are going to my friend and the person who has redone the branding on our Clinician Business Lab side and is about to release some new branding on my side. And that is Nicole Harlow. Nicole is the founder of Brand Better. She has reinvigorated the brand of some of the biggest companies and personalities in the health and wellness industry. Her talent transcends health and wellness into so many other realms. And she really is fantastic at about helping people understand the essence of what their brand is all about. So We're going to get into a lot of different things today, but what we are going to do is we're going to break it down for you. The five key things everyone needs to think about and consider when it comes to their business and personal brand. And so without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you to my friend, Nicole Harlow. Nicole Harlow, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we've got some fun stuff we're going to talk about today. We're going to dive into what I think is people's favorite part of starting a business, which is brand. Like, no joke. People will be like, I'm going to start a business. And I'll say, great. Tell me what it's about. They're like, well, let me first tell you what everything's going to look like and feel like. And I'm going to talk about, I have no idea how we're going to make any money, but like, I'm super excited about the quote unquote branding. So we get to have this really fun conversation today. And we're going to help people really understand what are the key, key things that they need to keep in mind with branding. It's not just the colors and the fun stuff and the Canva and the fonts. There's a whole thing that goes into how you create 
an effective brand. And when people have got it, they've got it. And when they don't, you can see that it is so obvious when that brand doesn't have cohesion. So before we do that, Nicole, before we get in to all of these fun pieces, can you just share with everyone a little bit about who you are and how it is that you are so uniquely qualified to talk about this? It was like a perfect segue for me because what you just said about everyone getting excited about branding when they're first starting a business is actually how I got into branding. So if you dig back and you know, I've been an entrepreneur for about 14 years now. So when I first got out of college, I knew I was kind of unemployable. That was the word that always came up for me. I was like unemployable and I would get jobs and I would get promoted and my bosses would be like, Hey, do you want to be the mat? You want to, you know, they'd always try to like kind of push me up in the ranks. And I'd like, no, I can't take that promotion. Why? Because I know that I'm going to work for myself. I know I would be listening to all the podcasts, you know, Marie Forleo's B school, anything that I could get to like crack this online business. I mean, it took me five years starting different businesses to realize that branding was the thing that I was really passionate about because I loved the branding process. I got into this field through starting so many different businesses. It would take us a whole podcast just talking about every different industry that I tried to get into, all the trainings that I did, but the part, and you probably as a, as a quick start type entrepreneurial mindset person, lady yourself will probably connect with this. And so many things where like, I would start the beginning process. I would create the logo. Think about that. I would love naming it. I would make the website. I do social media. I would do that whole beginning part, which is now what we do for clients. And I'd get to the place where I'd have to launch it and I would have no more enthusiasm for it. I would be just like, totally like, I don't really want to run this organic ice cream truck. (laughs) I would get to that point. I was just like, I'm not even interested in this, you know? And I had a whole segue, a whole like chunk of my life that I devoted to learning about functional medicine. I used to live abroad and I had a little women's health clinic over there where I was working as a health coach. I was always really interested in fertility and hormones and the menstrual cycle. It's a little bit about my past that people don't really know. I was a yoga teacher. I was a meditation teacher. I'm multi-passionate. I would just say that, you know, and it took me a while for some really good friends to kind of reflect to me, well, hey, maybe what you're doing is branding for people. I realized that I had a portfolio of my own work and it was my own businesses. I like to share this story to start off just because many years I saw that as one of my biggest flaws. I saw myself as somebody who could never commit to anything. I saw myself as somebody who had lots of ideas, but no follow through. I wasn't a trained graphic designer. I didn't go to design school. I went to school for women's sexuality and gender studies and psychology. That was my background. Right. So I'm like, how am I going to break into a field where people need years and years of degrees? And it was just through grit and that bootstrapping. I'm going to learn how to do this all myself that I taught myself every part of it. Uh, But it took a lot of reflection to realize what I saw is is big personal flaw, big business flaw, because, you know, what comes next is you can't you don't have any follow through. You don't make any money. So I was always a very poor entrepreneur (laughs) until I finally aligned with my skills, which was this, the creative spark, you know, that birthing of an idea. And now that's what we do as a team. I could talk for so much longer about how that came about, where I went from a solopreneur to now a full-blown agency with a whole team of creatives that are so much better than I ever could be. 
these are the people that went to design school. These are the people who, you know, have spent 10 years as a copywriter or web designer, but I get to take the top level um, perspective and I get to work with our clients of taking that enthusiasm that they have to start the business and make it manifest. And we could dig in a little bit about what that is because branding is such a big topic, right? It encompasses everything. Well, and I want people to know what it is. And before we do that, as I was listening to your story, so as you know, I am passionate about this idea of purpose. And it's one of the things I talked about in practice. And so I just want to highlight for everyone, because I've done a few solo episodes on this lately, what you just talked about is the like a perfect example of purpose versus passion. You had all these passions for these different businesses, but what was pervasive through all of your story, I'm totally off on a tangent here, but I was like, this is a teachable moment. I'm going to jump in. You had this thing that you really loved to do. It was like, oh my gosh, I really like, I, I love this. I love this creation. I love the visualization. I love bringing it to fruition. And then you had this thing you were really good at. You were good at doing it strategically. You could see how these visual elements supported and represented what a brand was about. And then you had the third ingredient of purpose, which is where you went, okay, wait, I have this weird, this weird talent here. What the heck am I going to do with it? And you flipped it over and you're like, here's how I'm going to make it a mechanism of contribution and then monetize on it. It is like our exact system of purpose. And it's so exciting for me for two reasons. One, you'd like, you just lived it perfectly. And two, you had this beautiful differentiation in what you just shared between passion and purpose. And passion are usually these like fleeting things and all the dopamine. And then you're like, oh shoot, what am I, what am I going to do with this food truck? I just applaud you for that because I think one of the healthiest choices that we can make is choosing to live on purpose. And so I know that wasn't what we were talking about, but like, I am such a tangential thinker too. So I loved conversations that just weave in and out. And I like to train my brain into, even when I'm talking to my partner, it's just like, how do you like, like take the breadcrumbs and go back to like, how do we get on this topic? I'm like, I know exactly. Cause we had, you said this and then we went there. <laughs> I don't I know. The teacher in me is like, okay, so we're going to Venn diagram out Nicole's story. And now I did that too, to what you teach, you know, it does connect very deeply to how I feel about branding and what I, for me, what I think branding is, which is maybe different than what people expect. You know, I think most people come to us and they just want a logo. They're like, I just need a logo. They think that's what it is. It's like, I need some colors. I need a font. And I go, cool. Yeah, we can do that for you. But like, I like to say like, we do branding with a capital B instead of a little B. Branding is everything. And that's why I like to start off with people and setting this foundation. Because people are surprised when they find out like, even the work that we do, like how much strategy is involved in it. Our questionnaire that we send to people, they're like, wait, I took like, took me hours to go through that because the questions are deep. I'm even asking people like, what's your astrological sign? What's your Myers-Briggs? What are you on the Colby A? Because I want to know, like, like for me, the brand is everyone should be unique. And it's not just about the visual side of it. For me, it's about every interaction that your potential clients or your current clients or patients or, or whomever, customers, whatever your lexicon is, it's every interaction that they have with you. And I had a, a good example of that the other week. I'll have to call myself out at somebody who does drink a Starbucks every once in a while. And I was going in my neighborhood to Starbucks and they're kind of one of the kings in terms of branding and what people would say, like, who has great branding? Who's a brand that's very recognizable worldwide? And I went and my Starbucks was closed. And I was thinking about it for the rest of the week. 
Because the next time I thought I'm going to go get that coffee, I thought, well, it might be closed. And it was weird how that just planted a seed in the back of my mind that that brand was unreliable. And I just use that as a really small example of like every interaction that we have with our people, whether that's the tiniest social media, it's what happens when someone tries to unsubscribe to your mailing list. It's these little things that we, you know, I could make a list of probably a thousand of them of little micro interactions that we have with people that are all an opportunity for you to reinforce your brand. But first you need to know what that brand is. It's so much deeper than just the logo. You need to know the whole personality, the feel, the vibe. What's funny, I had this patient and she was a brand manager for a beer company. And I was so interested in this. And this was like really early on in my career. And I was like, so what do you do? And she's like, well, I manage the brand. (laughs) Right. She's like the security detail of the brand. Like nothing gets to shift the messaging of the brand. The brand doesn't show up anywhere without it. Like, passing through her, but I couldn't understand. Like once the visual assets are created, why the heck you needed someone to manage the brand? We are having a tangented conversation today. Warning, warning everyone. And celebrities are brands too. Uh, Sports players are brands too. You don't, it doesn't have to, they don't necessarily have a logo. They don't even necessarily have colors. I mean, some of them do. Some brands are so dialed in that they like, celebrities have a color palette, you know, they have things that they wear, but like they are a brand. I think that part of my work is the type of clients that we usually work with aren't necessarily people who are just getting started out. I mean, they might be getting started out with a new business idea, but for a lot of our clients, it's a, it's an evolution. It's a transformation. It's a, it's a leveling up. I split up into thirds. It's a third of the job that I do as creative director kind of a control freak. I get to pick all the little details and, and it's very detail oriented, the work that we do. But then I'm also a head cheerleader for people's businesses. And I'm like a third, a therapist, because part of the branding process is like, it's quite therapeutic. I mean, people are literally stepping into a new aspect of themselves. And part of that is like training the people that we work with, how to start living themselves as the brand, you know? And I do the same for myself. Like, who is Nicole Harlow as the freelance graphic designer versus Nicole Harlow as the CEO of a, you know, multiple six figure moving to a million dollar branding agency? You know, how do I have to start holding myself differently as a brand? You know, I can't show up like a teenager anymore. I can't show up like a 20 year old anymore. Like it, and these are, you know, this is my own personal brand evolution, but how do I show up? Is it time to put on the suit jacket? Yeah, it is. It's like, gone are the days of like hoodie sweatshirt. And that could be perfect for somebody's brand. I'm just saying for me and for our clients that the branding process is so much deeper. There's a, there's more of a psychological aspect to it. There's more of um, a transformational aspect to it. than I think people realize, and they get really surprised when they work with us, that there's so many tears. I've worked with you now on a few of our initiatives and and you're reworking my own personal brand identity pieces right now. And it is always an opportunity to level up the quality of work that you put into the world. It's almost like you want to stand on a mountain and you pull your brand up with you. But when you see the elements and the ways and, and you give people this framework of how that brand can show up, you also play a different game simultaneously. It's actually a really powerful exercise personally and in your business. And so one of the things I want to unpack here, because people ask me this all the time in the context of of business strategy, how do I manage my personal brand and my business brand? 
And what is the relationship between the two? And is there a relationship between the two? I love this question because it's so dense. And it's always one of those questions that like the answer for me is always, it depends. That's kind of a cop-out answer. So like I'll unpack that more. So when I work with clients, I like to look at every single person. We tend to work a little bit more with solopreneurs or small teams. And so I think my answer would be different if I was working with corporate. I'm kind of tailoring this a little bit to what I think is more my audience and also yours as well, which is kind of the smaller business owners that are more solopreneurs and maybe small practices or clinics or small businesses. I like to approach every brand and every business owner as a completely unique project. And so I get this question a lot because we do a lot of naming for our clients. And so the question is always just like, do we go with uh, more of a business name or do we go with my personal name, you know, am I going to be, you know, Megan Walker? Am I going to be CBL? Like this is, it's something that comes up for us a lot. And I like to really dig into the personality of the person who's asking the question. So we do some deep dive, like personality test type things. I brought up the Myers-Briggs already, Colby A, even astrology. I mean, I love human design is another one. I'm a junkie for personality tests. I really like bringing in the personality and sitting down and having a really frank conversation with our clients, digging into their goals, like your three to five-year goals, your one to three-year goals. Like, do you see yourself up on stage having a podcast like we're talking right now, having a YouTube channel? Is it part of your vision to be the face of your business? And that's different for people. Within that, I would say it breaks down to about 50-50 of the people that we work with that want themselves on their website. And there's about half of people that want to throw up at the idea of having themselves on their website. They're like, do they just don't want to be in that limelight? And so the first thing I'm going to do is break it down to personality and say, what do you envision for yourself? Some people just have their mission. They really are passionate about, you know, I want to help people with chronic fatigue, but I don't want my face plastered. You know, and then you get someone like me, you go to my website, it's my picture front and center. And it doesn't always break down to whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, because I will come out and say, I'm an introvert. I will happily spend most of my time alone. My favorite times are just introverted creation. Just give me a project to work on, especially if it's my own. I'm not so great with the client stuff. That's why I have a whole team. But if you give me something like your 5 a.m. projects that you talk about, Give me one of those that I'm passionate about and just leave me alone for a couple of days and I will get so much work done. You know, some people are like that. But I say for the personal versus business, if I'm just thinking about naming or how to position the brand, it's really going to be personality dependent on who that person is. If you don't have a vision for getting up on stage, if you don't have a vision for creating content where you are the person driving the content, I'm not sure that you need a personal brand. And that's just my opinion. Somebody might argue differently. I don't think you necessarily need to even be on social media talking about your dog. And I say this because I want to give some people permission to start a business and not put yourself out there. There's still work to be done. It's different work because in an odd way, you have to make a business that has a strong personality. Because No matter what, if you go with the route of personal or the route of business brand, one of the core things is like having a strong personality because if you're neutral, I mean, what is the adage? It's just like, if you're everything to everybody, then you're nothing to nobody or something like that. You know, it's just 
I think about it in terms of magnetism. We live in polarities, right? And this is me going to get a little esoteric, but like we live in a polarity planet, you know, we're always being pushed and pulled towards and away from things. And branding is no different. I'm not saying you need to have a brand that's controversial or a brand that is really polarizing for people, but there needs to be something in there. You need to have a reason for people to not like you too. But magnetic is a perfect word. And the thing about magnets is like, they're so strong. And when things are going to stick to them, it's great. And you flip that magnet over and you get this opposite force field. And that's okay too. Because, you know, I've been around the block long enough to know that the worst case scenario is having to work with someone who's not in alignment, right? They suck the life force. It's not worth it. Like if you are in this stage of your business where you're like, I don't want to say no to everyone. I want you to know one, that that is going to pass. And the other thing that's happening is you are seeing short term challenges at the expense of a long-term strategy. I'm lucky enough to be at a point now with Brand Better that we pick the clients that we want to work with. And so I'm looking for as much of a culture fit as they are. Like they're looking for a professional fit and can we get the work done? I have full confidence in that. So now I get to be choosy about who we work with. I would remember the days of like, you got to take on every project. For anybody who is at that stage, I would say my best piece of advice there is like, if you have to say yes to almost everybody, let it be a learning opportunity, every person that you work with and start writing down, like, what are the things you didn't like about working with that person? Because you know what everybody hates? And I'll be real with you. Everyone hates avatar exercises and everyone hates picking a niche. Maybe hate is a strong word, but it's like, it's like pulling teeth and there's a lot of resistance that comes up and there's a lot of, we could unpack that up for sure because there's psychological blocks that come up with like, there's not going to be enough people and I'm not going to make enough money. It's like everyone kind of gets in the classic fear-minded stuff when it's around there. But like, if you still have to work with clients that you really don't like and they don't resonate with you, let that be an exercise that gets you closer to who your avatar is. Like write down three things you don't like about everybody that you don't work with. You go, oh, what I didn't like about that person, they didn't pay on time. They were constantly asked for revisions. For me, if I don't want to get on the phone with a client, I shouldn't be working with that client. And this is just a personal thing because it fits with my brand identity, which is that friendly, warm, we want to feel like, I want to feel like family and friends with all the people that we work with. And I want to feel like every single one of my clients, if they needed me and picked up the phone, we would have a great conversation. Like we'd get the work done, but we'd also have a few little like segues, you know, around like, personal interests, you know, but that's just me. Not everybody likes that. And case in point, even where we're at right now, I got a, an email from somebody last week that I loved. She sent me an email. She was going to get on a call and hire us. And she said, I'm sorry, Nicole, I need to cancel our call because you made a, a spelling mistake in your email to me. And I, the people I hire have to have a really fine sense of detail, detail orientation. And I wrote her back, super kind. I was giggling. And I said, thank you, because you just saved me time because the clients I like to work with are easygoing and have a sense of humor. Like we're all human. Like that's not somebody that I like to work with, but I just check it on my list of like, what do I love about our clients? Oh, they got a little easygoing spirit to them. They understand humanness. You know, they trust us. They trust that we're going to do a wonderful professional job for them. So, you know, if I could impart advice, because that like you were saying for yourself too. It's like, I wish I would have like absorbed that message earlier, which is a great teachable moment because like the more that you know your your niche and the more that you know your avatar and the type of person you want to work with, you can construct a badass brand around that that 
draws in people that are magnetized to who you are, how you show up. And that's whether you have a personal brand or whether you have a business brand. I guess one of my main points here is we want to build a brand that is magnetic enough that it repels some people too. You know who my brand is going to repel? Really hyper corporate people. And that's great because I'm not going to show up in a corporate meeting with a business suit on. I refuse to use that language. You know, I want to be able to like be real when I talk to people. And that's a conscious choice. So that repels people who are looking for like proposals from like, a corporate agency, they're out there everywhere. You could sit in a boardroom, you could wear a business suit, you could get taken out to lunch. But that's not what we're going to do. You know, I'll just send you lots of crystals and really nice organic soaps. <laughs> we get to move past that as we get deeper into our career. So it is a privilege of executing on that clarity over and over again, that will accelerate you to a place where you get to be more discerning. So I, I want to acknowledge that too, for the people who are first starting out, like, I don't even know who I want to work with yet. And that's okay. You can say yes to everybody, but also be true to yourself when you're like, oh my gosh, that person is sucking the life force out of me. What is it about them? So I never say yes to that person again, that will accelerate your access to this client freedom that we're talking about. So here's what I want to do, Nicole. I want to get granular on this piece too. We've talked about this idea, you know, what a brand could be and all the things that it can encompass. But I want to help people have an element of clarity of what they should be thinking about when it comes to branding. Because as we alluded to before, we do get hijacked by our dopamine. We do get hijacked by, I'm just going to do the pretty stuff and I'm not going to do the hard stuff. So I shared with you beforehand that I kind of wanted to take this approach. We're like, what are the five things everyone needs to know about the development of their brand? And I want to start to break those apart. So let's... Let's start with number five. Okay. Glad I have a list over here too. Good thing. How mean would it be for me to just drop this on again? I love being interviewed as like, as an introvert, it's because if anybody knows astrology, I have a Leo moon. It's in my career house. It's the only place I like to be extroverted, really. If you saw me at the grocery store, you'd think like, what is up with that girl? She just seems very like unfriendly and just like not engaging. But like, I love to be interviewed, but as an introverted thinker, I'm not always great on the fly, especially when it comes to lists. Lists are mean on the fly. I did this once to someone before. It was a good interview, but like I could see her face. She was like, I can't believe you just did this to me. I, I, held, I held her through it. Full disclosure, I did create this list ahead of time because it's just kind that way. Everything else in our conversation has been tangential, but so I can on the fly do my list backwards. I can do it with my eyes closed too. No, I won't. Number five for me is, it's my least favorite because it's just a personal least favorite, but it's very important, which is a social media strategy. The first people I hired in my team were social media people because I, you know, I like to be real and honest. I don't even have Instagram on my phone. I don't like to be scrolling, but it's really important that we have it, you know? And so we want to make sure that I add that to a list of like the top five things I want people thinking about with their brand is what is your social media strategy? And if we impact that a little bit, that would be not just how many times you're posting. I'm not so into the metrics, you know, what time of day is the best time to, there's a lots of people out there that will go more kind of deeper and granular. I'm thinking more like, how do you show up on social media? I was looking at one of your posts today and your daughter filled your face with makeup. <laughs> you tied it to a really awesome story. You, I think, are a great example of somebody who like lives their brand and shows up and 
invites people into your life, you know, invites people into like your parenting strategies and highs and lows. And as a woman, as a mother, as a business owner, how it all comes together, but that doesn't have to be everybody's strategy. Right. And so like, how do you want to show up on social media? Do you want to show up very like transparent and real? Do you want to show up a little bit more with like a very professional facade? There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's like for some people and some brands, you don't need to show up and spill all your tea about everything that's going on. Like it might actually serve your brand better to be, I'm thinking more like kind of like a clothing brand or a luxury brand or something like that to show up like aspirational, you know, and be posting like pictures of the beautiful clothes that you wear. So I'd say kind of have like a top down strategy of like, how are you showing up? And that kind of relates back to your personal versus business. It's like, are you more the face? And is your brand more aligned with like a kind of friendly, a BFF, I'm going to let you behind the scenes that can work for lots of different industries. And so I I would just say, yeah, that's my number five social media strategy. But really, that breaks down to like, knowing how you're going to show up. I'm just going to throw this out there for everybody. You should think about that beforehand, because I think that is one thing that trips people up is they're like, I haven't posted in four weeks because I don't know what to post because you didn't take the two hours to get clear on what the breadth of things are that you want to share on social. So just take the time to step back and plan and have intention around what you want your social media to do for you and how you want to show up. And it will be infinitely easier for you to know what to say and what not to say when you turn on your camera. Okay, number four. And number four, dialed in visual branding that looks very professional that is cohesive across all channels. So that means if I interact with the Megan Walker brand at any point on my journey, even if it's just a form that I see consistency, that I'm not using like fonts all over the place. My logo doesn't look like something that I just like did myself on Canva. And so people are just starting out. So like no judgment there. That's how I got into this industry was doing my own stuff, you know, but I want to see a brand that that looks and feels up-leveled that is cohesive and matches across channels. What's the purpose of the logo? It's symbolic of the brand feel and personality. That's the purpose that it serves. So people get really hung up on like that the logo needs to have like every single, like overly complex. It has to have every single thing. I was like, no, it just has to stand as like the totem of your life. It's like, but once I went to Costa Rica and did an ayahuasca journey and I need to have that on there. And I love butterflies. So that has to be on there too. It's like, oh, let's go simple. That's like the tattoo you regret. (laughs) I had a friend who did that. Every piece of symbolism for them in their entire life was in this one tattoo. And then I asked him about it later. He was like, so that was a fleeting moment of poor decision-making. But it's a reminder every day that it doesn't all have to be in one visual representation all the time. Yeah. So I just want people to think about the logo as... It's just symbolic of the feeling that you want people to have, you know, for some people it's luxury and it could just be a a luxury font, you know, and that looks very minimalist can be really evocative too, you know? So I want people to think about that part. Website's important, but we, we, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) It no longer makes the top five. What's number three? Number three is a very clear brand personality. What I mean by this is I would like people to be able to say in like three to four words, what's the personality of their brand? I want that to be an easy thing for people to, to share. So, so what's your brand personality? 
there's lots of what are the adjectives, you know, snarky, in your face, controversial. That's somebody's brand out there. Warm, friendly, down to earth, you know, that's another brand. Academic, intellectual, professional. It's not just how you would describe it. The the feedback loop is when your clients start describing you as it. Then you know you're doing your work. We get testimonials from our clients. I pay somebody else to do them because for me, that's like, I don't want to interview our people about how it was working with us. So, you know, it's another like top tip, side tip when you can afford it and you have a service, get somebody else to interview your people. I have a whole team that I pay a monthly retainer that they take our clients. They ask them what it was like working with us. Uh, The reason why I say this is because what I hear back is our clients describe us how I want us to be described. Did you think we were friendly? No, but you know what people say? They're like, I felt like I was part of the family. They're starting to mirror back. So when you start hearing your clients start talking about you and the way that you want them to talk to, then you know you started to like to nail it. And all these things are intertwined, right? So the brand personality should come out in the visual logo. It should come out on the social media. So we're kind of working our way backwards, but you'll start to see how they're all interwoven. Because if we don't have a personality, how are we going to build a shape around it? How are we going to build colors around it? You know? I actually found that the one of the most profound exercises someone ever gave me was they were like, describe your brand in three words or less. And the first time I had that question, I was like, oh, I can't. My brand is so many things. Let me tell you the essay that is my brand. And then I really stepped back. And these have been my words for the better part of the last decade, but it's colorful and qualified. So it's funny how like you can actually simplify the personality and the essence of a brand down to just a few words. And that's actually my number two. They kind of go hand in hand, but I see them as two separate things. Number three was personality, but number two is message. And they seem like, if I just say it out loud, just seems like the same thing. But what I mean about message is like, I love creative and I love the visual. We always start off like that with clients because it's the most fun thing for people to see and do. But I'm just as equally interested in words. You know, I'm a lover of words and a wordsmith. And I think the being able, this is far none one of the hardest things I think for anybody to do in business is like bringing that message down to that like elevator speech. I know everyone's just cringe when I said that, but like, how do you concisely explain what it is that you do. Because we always ask people when we first work with them, what's your 30 second elevator speech? And people always write a paragraph. And that's why they're working with us. So it's not like my expectation is not that like, if you already have that down, then maybe, you know, maybe like yourself, you know, you're at a level where like, we're just working on the visual side of your brand. Why? Because you have that messaging dialed in already. Not everybody has that. But like, I think it's super important to like, be able to communicate concisely in a sentence or two, ideally like a sentence, like this is who we are and this is what we do. And it takes a while to get to that. You know, there's exercises and things like that. And there's working with other people to just kind of and talking it out and pulling it out. But like, we want to write like Ernest Hemingway, if anybody gets that reference, is just like, he was known for being, saying so much in such a short sentence. And so like, how do we make every word count when we talk about our business, you know? You say colorful and qualified, those two words have such an evocative meaning to them. For you, disruptive is another adjective that comes to mind. And that has so many. I've always felt like your brand is like in that intersection where like entrepreneurship and clinician meets like the tech industry. 
it's not so far over there. It's just, and it's still very like feminine and powerful, but it has that like feeling space of like a disruptive, super cool Silicon Valley. I mean, are any of them cool now? I'm not sure. Maybe I'm all working off of like an old reference, but like, at least in my perspective, it's like these super cool, like I see some of these companies that are coming on and they're in the wellness space, you know, but they're like, they're taking, what did I find yesterday? It was um, Lumen. And I went to their website and they're taking references, visual cues from tech companies. Yeah. And I think that's, if I could just uh, segue for a second and just say one of my favorite branding exercises to do is to take your industry and it's super simple, but it's also really hard to do. Start multiplying it with another industry. Right. So for example, like what would you get if you multiplied a family doctor with like a beauty, a beauty brand or something like that. Right. We do this with clinicians who want to, they're going clinician times luxury brand. Right. So like an industry that's not even yours, you know, like how do you do a wellness clinic times Ritz Carlton? I'm laughing here as I look at my golden doodle and I was like, and this is what you get. You get these like beautiful, fun, sweet puppies. I don't want a poodle. And I don't want my golden retriever shedding all over my house. <laughs> Sorry, we went on another tangent. It's clearly on brand now. Yeah. I get what you're saying though. And and that's part of the disruption of the, the energy and feel because I work in a $4 trillion global industry, which is the health and wellness industry. And that's good news. It's actually bigger than the pharmaceutical industry. The challenging part is getting practitioners to be able to stand out amongst and within a $4 trillion industry. That's where this idea of like, I want to cross my traditional wellness brand with this, whatever that may be, I think is really exciting. There's a clinic I will just share on one small tangent in London, England, and their brand is basically like clean health and wellness meets Dolce and Gabbana. Like there's this dark, edgy, like backlit black botanical bottle feel to their brand and clinic. And like, no doubt it has literally, literally attracted like monarchy from around Europe type clients, but it, it was disruptive in its feel in an industry that's traditionally like green and white. And I get like goosebumps when I hear that stuff, because that's like, that's why I live for is this like melding and blending of different things, you know, where you have like another example I would just share here is um, yoga for the people. They came out 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, disrupted the yoga industry because they blended yoga and hip hop and their branding was black and white. And you go to their studio and it's just like, they're going to play like hip hop music. And they had this like the coolest creative branding the way that they set up their studio, you like go up their stairs and it's like started from the bottom. Now you're here, which is a Drake lyric. And it was just like brilliant. It's like they took like this kind of stuffy lotus flowers everywhere. Buddha's everywhere. You notice it. Yeah. Marty Neumeyer has a great book on this. It's called Zag. I always come back to this idea, like especially with our clients and even with brand betters, like when everybody else is zigging, you want to zag. You don't want to zag so much that you are just unrecognizable in your industry because people still have to find you. And it has to be recognizable enough. It's like, it can't be like the wellness hub that's also like an S&M dungeon or something like that. It's like, there is a point where you break it and you go too far or like wellness meets McDonald's, you know, that doesn't work for anybody. But like, we don't want that much. If you have the courage, you know, courage was a word that you used today in a courageous business, a courageous life, a courageous brand, you want a courageous brand, you got to find a place where it's distinguishable. 
And it can't just be about your service unless you are just literally the best in the world. We live in the information age. It's all out there. If you think people, and I'm talking about practitioners specifically, but if you think people can't go and do their own labs and find out and read a book or read a blog post or a YouTube, you know, get the, the glucose, they can get, there's so much out there. So why does somebody want to work with you? Why does somebody want to choose your brand? And it's going to be a multitude of factors. And people think they can just rest on like, but I have the expertise, you know, or I get the transformation. And I'm sorry, but that's not enough to have a truly stellar brand, to have a truly magnetic brand where people are queuing up to work with you, where they're paying more to work with you, where they're referring people out because not only was the transformation that good, because that is the foundation. You got to get the transformation for your clients. Your service has to do what you, what it says on the tin. We're now down to number one, which kind of ties it all together. Do it. Having a vision. It's having a vision. It's having a clear set of, this is where I want to go. Because I can't do any branding work for people if they don't know where they want to go. Like, and you don't have to know all every single step. People get hung up on that. You need that vision that informs the rest of the message, the personality, the logo, the color, the guidelines, the social media, how you communicate, what kind of content you put out of there, what your sales funnels look like. You know, we can get as granular as we want. Like we can get down to like one word choice that you use over the other, you know, that all comes back to the vision. It's a beautiful place to kind of pull those elements together. And also on a really practical level, until you understand the vision of where you want your brand to go, it doesn't mean it can't change, but you need a plan A. Until you can see that, it's probably not the right time to invest in professional branding either. That is where you're like, pick your four fonts on Canva, have some kind of visual representation, get proof of concept. And once you have that proof of concept, Now you can lean deeper into that branding piece. And I see a lot of people doing it the other way around. I couldn't agree more with that. And for me, it always comes back to personality. When I see business owners who are like, well, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. You know, some people come to us and they're like, for 20 years, I've been working with chronic fatigue, Lyme disease. They're just so set on like, that's what they love to do. And I go, cool. You know, but for somebody who's kind of all over the place, like, even they're like, I can't pick an avatar. I can't pick a niche. I'm like, my advice at that point is usually like, you have to work with a bunch of people and figure that out because you only will get a good information in the field. We could build a whole like dope brand around fertility and you could work with five clients and be like, I really don't like, I just don't like this, you know? Because some people are multi, more multi passionate. I'm not sure I like that word, but I can't think of a better one right now. But like they got to try out a bunch of different things and whether that's your astrological recipe or it's your personality or anything, but like take some time, especially if you're just starting out, take some time and try out a bunch of different things and like let your head and your heart kind of guide you towards like the one, you know? So if you have to just like mock up a few different branding things for yourself, I say, go for that. Solidified a little bit more. Once you kind of have that core vision set, we can help people do all the rest of it. The messaging, the person, that's like, that's what we do. You know, we do all the other ones, but what I can't do for people, I can't make your vision for you. It's got to be really tailored to you. And I can't pick your final brand name because I can give lots of suggestions and give my idea, but like, you're the one who has to say that name over and over all day long. The person has to feel empowered that that is the name that really resonates with them. The other one has got to say it, not me. 
Yeah, just like I can set the strategy, but you have to do the work, whether you're a patient or your client or anyone else, like I can't do the work for you. I, you know, Nicole, I love chatting with you. I love going deep on these pieces. And I feel like this is a perfect place to transition the interview into something I call my impact metrics. And so I've got two quick questions for you. The first is we've come out of a really challenging two years globally. It's been an unprecedented time. What has been the personal lesson that you have drawn from the experience of the pandemic? Two things for me. One is, and this is personal and business, because I have to say we've had the best two years of business that I have ever had in the last two years. So on many levels, and, and this is hard to share because this is not everybody's truth, but on many levels from personal to family, business, like life is wonderful. You know, life feels really good. And, and I feel like one, number one for me is embracing the pivot, which is another way of just saying, learn how to be flexible. A personal philosophy that has really deepened over the last two years is I don't think we're on this earth. And this is me going to get a little esoteric here. So like, I don't think we're here to be comfortable. And I think like people in general are like really, really dug into like that we somehow deserve to be comfortable all the time. Where's the growth? You know, where's the opportunity? I kind of embraced as I sat down with my partner when like when all this was kicking off like two years ago, we had a, a literal conversation. We said two choices. We can let fear run us or we can embrace this and be creative. We have no idea what anything's going to throw at us. We weren't even making any money at the time, you know, to be honest. It's just like we weren't in a great state, you know? And so we were like, as a couple, as a family, we can embrace this. We can appreciate the uncomfortable. And so we said, and this is a personal thing. We said, what can we do to train ourselves? So as a family, we started taking cold showers. We bought a sauna that we paid off every month. We like started doing kundalini yoga. We started doing like, how can we train ourselves to like physically be uncomfortable like every day so that the uncomfortable in life, business, all of it, COVID, everybody's going through it. And so that was for me was like, number one was just like being flexible. And I forgot my number two. So I think my number one was probably really the most important. I love that. Here's my last question for you. Entrepreneurship. Are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? Oh God, I love that question. My intuition says born this way. My gut intuition was born this way. I think it's a skill that anybody can learn, but it kind of goes back to like, be prepared to be uncomfortable because if you're the type of person that like wants predictable, there is plenty of jobs where you get the same paycheck every single week. I've never wanted that. Like I've never been attracted to that. In fact, it gives me like the heebie-jeebies just thinking about like, what do you mean my salary is going to be like, I'm like, I only have that much money. Like I love entrepreneurship because it's just like, I can go out tomorrow and I can make more money. I could just decide what my vision is for what I want. And I can just work my ass off to get it. Like, mm-hmm. I think people can be trained into being entrepreneurs, but I feel like the drive that comes from like wanting to make your own thing, wanting to put your stake in your legacy and, and like, this is who I am. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, if you scratch the surface, you find people with lemonade stands and babysitting. And I got two step boys that are already entrepreneurship is in their blood. They're 12 and 14. They make their own money. They have a bunch of little hustles going on. They flip sneakers. They have the internet. You know, they have what I didn't have. I would have made so much money as a teenager and as a 10 and 12 year old, if I had access to the internet, I was just figuring out how to like be a babysitter and have my own hustles, you know, like making earrings and cards and trying to sell them. I I think I would go with born with it, but it's trainable skill, but be prepared to be uncomfortable. Be prepared to not know. Which I feel like we get 
in life no matter what. Nicole Harlow, always a pleasure to chat with you. Where can we send people to watch more about your blossoming agency who I have been working with for the better part of the last two years, 18 months, and your adventures? Where are we sending people to check you out? Brandbetterco.com website. And then Instagram is where we're the most active at brandbetterco. We like to share lots of pretty things of a portfolio because I know I said that the logo is not all that the brand is about. And it's definitely not all of what we're about, but it's the most fun thing to show people is how varied the work is that we do. Every single person for me is like a new box of crayons and the big box too, the 96 box. The big box of crayons. Yeah, with every color. And we start with a blank slate. And so you get to, you can kind of peek into our process and behind the scenes of, of how we come up with these really cool symbols for people, colors and how it all comes together. So yeah, come and join us over there. Amazing. Well, you'll be able to track down Nicole and find links to all of these things in our show notes. Head over to meganwalker.com forward slash podcast to check it out. Thanks so much, Nicole. Thanks, everyone. It's been awesome being here. Like always, Nicole is so much fun, as is branding. I love that she is living her dream job, that she found her purpose, and that she is able to help so many people, just like me, uh, bring their brand to fruition. We have got, as I've alluded to, and will continue allude to until drop day, some exciting things in the works. Drop day, just so you know, it wasn't termed that until this second when it came out of my mouth, is happening on March 22nd. Something big, a big transition for me personally and by proxy for all of you who hang out with me on this platform. I'm going to share all of the details on March 22nd, which is the day after the spring equinox. And one of the places you're going to want to be to be able to watch this transition happen is in our Facebook group. You can find that on Facebook forward slash groups. And what you're looking for is the Anthropology Collective. That's where we talk about this intersection of mindset, entrepreneurship, and health so that we can live our most impactful lives. So we're going to do this all again next week. We're leading up to drop day on March 22nd. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share it with your friends. And even better, I'd love for you to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this current episode. Until next week, I am Megan Walker. Have an impactful next few days ahead. 